Brother Lee testified more than once about after, not long after he had been released from the prison, he contracted tuberculosis of the lungs. And for about two years, maybe a little more, he had to be isolated. Uh, Many years ago, I was with a group of saints visiting China, and we went to the very house and to the room where he stayed. And he testified certain things about his time with the Lord during those two years. He had been very active in work, faithful in work. His work there, especially in northern China, was under God's blessing. So he sought the Lord for the reason that he had to allow this to happen. And then toward the end, he shared this. That during this period of time of isolation, of necessary quietness and lack of action, the Lord really opened his heart and his being to him and revealed the essence of the ministry that we know and have received, the faithful communication of the divine revelation in the New Testament, the will of God concerning his heart's desire and his economy, God's eternal purpose. And after his health was restored and uh, fairly close to the time when Brother Nee's ministry was resumed because he had been mistreated and wrongly accused. And so a series of messages were given during the time of the resumption of Brother Watchman Nee's ministry. In the collected works of Watchman Nee, we have the messages that he himself spoke. But before we published the collected works, we put out a separate volume entitled Messages Given During the Resumption of Watchman Nee's Ministry. And that book contains messages given not only by Brother Nee, but by Brother Lee. And uh, I had much regard for that book, was very thankful that it could be in my hands, that I could read through in a focused way. And then I saw... More than one message, maybe four or five messages given by Brother Lee were on the central work of God. This is the first time I heard this expression, the central work of God. And I read those messages uh, a number of times. 
And I believe the spirit, the anointing spirit was moving in me to give me the desire to have the spiritual understanding of this central work of joining Brother Lee as a learner from him, as a young co-worker with him, to experience and to minister the central work of God. So that was the beginning. In uh, 2 Timothy, Paul in a certain place tells his spiritual child, Timothy, continue in the things that you have learned. And remember the ones from whom you learned those things. And so by the Lord's leading, and surely intercessory prayers prayed by him, and maybe ones like Sister Lee and Brother Lee, I continued in this, recognizing and honoring the one from whom I learned this. And so I read and studied certain portions of the New Testament in the light of these messages, the central work of God. And here, let me give you the basic definition of the central work so we all have the same understanding. And I'll come back to this later. There are many aspects of God's work. But the central aspect of God's work is that God the Father in Christ as the life-giving spirit wants to work himself into our being so that we may express him personally and corporately. Or we may say the central work of God is the work of the processed and consummated triune God to build himself in Christ into our inner being, permeating us, saturating us, constituting us with the all-inclusive Christ. So this is what we mean by the central work of God. But we do not follow blindly. Everything we are taught is based upon the word of God. And we never base a teaching on an isolated verse. Rather, we have learned to interpret scripture and understand scripture by scripture. So I will give you now some scriptural evidence and verification and confirmation of the central work of God. In John 14, the Lord is speaking to his disciples. 
preparing them for his departure and his coming again to them as the spirit in resurrection. And he indicated to them that I have been with you, but when I come, I will be in you and you will be in me. And he spoke of another comforter coming who is with you, referring to the Lord, but he will be in you, referring to the Lord as the life-giving spirit. The Lord passed through death on the cross for our redemption and for removing every negative thing in the universe and everything hindering us from being in him and therefore being in God. And so the Lord said in John 14, 20, in that day, referring to the day of his resurrection, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. But earlier in that chapter, around verses 10 and 11, the Lord said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Then the Lord said in verse 20, I will be in you. And the Father is in him, and he is in us. This is the triune God in us. In verse 23 of John 14, the Lord said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments, my inner speaking. And the father, my father will love him and we will come to him and make an abode, a dwelling place in him and with him. Here we see Christ carrying out this marvelous work of bearing all of our sins, being made sin for us on the cross, dealing with the enemy, fulfilling all of God's requirements. But this was the site of redemption. When he died, not only blood flowed out of his side when it was pierced, but water signifying life. He released the life that was in him. And so in resurrection, he could come into us to be our life. So here we see the central work of God is not merely to save us from sins. That is the basis. His central work is to make his home in us. And now I use this word home. So I would now turn to Paul's testimony. Who received revelation directly from the Lord. It was given to him to know the will of God. 
to see the resurrected Christ, to hear the voice of his mouth. And he wrote to us in Ephesians 3, he was praying for us that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit into the inner man that Christ may make his home in our heart. And that verb, the root of that verb is oikeo, to make a home. And it's the same root for the word house, oikos. The Lord is not visiting us. He's building himself into us. So we can see from the scriptures itself. But it's not on the surface. It's in the depths. And brothers such as Brother Nee and Brother Lee had to go through much suffering and preparation so that their inner being would be able to enter into the depths of the word to see beyond the surface. Then Brother Lee could present this to us in a way we can all understand. He didn't use theological terms appealing to the mind. He spoke to all the children of God. And so this is the background for the history of why I even have this subject. I inherited it. I learned it. But then briefly, a testimony. I remember I was in my office in the Living Stream Ministry facility where I was working at that time, maybe around 1996, on a Friday afternoon. Then there was just a flow from the spirit into my being. I realized someone is praying. The Lord is interceding. Brother Lee and Sister Lee, someone is praying. And the Lord began to open up to me and in me this central work. Not only to know it and understand it, but to experience it. And then I was led by the Lord to pray certain simple prayers. For instance, when Brother Lee gave a message on organic salvation and and upon uh, being saved in life from Romans 5.10, I had always agreed with that, could say amen to that. But now I began to pray for that. Lord, save me in life today. Sanctify me. Renew me. Transform me. Conform me to your image, Lord. Make your home in my heart. 
Then I began to pray that prayer in Ephesians 3 again and again. Hundreds of days again and again in a living way. I realized I must cooperate with the God whom I love and serve. I must cooperate with his central work of building yourself himself in me and then from further study of some of the life study messages one in Galatians somewhere brother Lee opened his heart and expressed his concern based upon his discernment and loving care he said for most of the saints This does not mean anything to them. I've spoken about this again and again. But it wasn't getting through. And that was quite a conviction. And then, this is the last thing I think I need to say about the testimony side. I realized that... When Brother Lee went to be with the Lord, he wrote a letter in March of 1997 that was sent throughout the recovery. And that letter is printed in the collected works in one of the later volumes. And he said this thought, he said, the Lord has prepared for a group of brothers to work with me in a blended way. This is from the Lord, to have a group of blended serving ones, co-workers. And I am simply one of those brothers. Eventually, all the believers will be participants in this. We know that based upon Ephesians 4. The gifts given to the body, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers, are for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of the ministry, comma, unto the building up of the body of Christ. And so this mutual working in a blended way will expand eventually to include all the dear saints. That's all of you. And then I realized before the Lord, and I have a fresh sense now as I'm speaking with you, this is the central aspect of my work as a serving one in the Lord's recovery. This is what's on my heart all the time. It doesn't mean every message is is on this word by word. But in caring for the saints and shepherding them and realizing this and that is happening and they understand this and that, do they know, are they experiencing the central work of God 
And so that is the background for the general subject of our conference. And let me say this, then we'll go through the outline. And there'll be ample time for you to respond in whatever language you want to speak in. And I'm going to stay to the end because you get to drink of my spirit and I get to drink of yours. You're going to do this, the mutual work yourself right in this meeting. You'll see. You're able to do it, sisters. Brothers, you have a portion that no one else has. It's been measured out to you. Okay. And so we come to this matter in this outline of the central work of God. And to avoid any kind of misunderstanding or misapplication. Oh, but by the way, uh, let me say this first. There may be a few hundred saints uh, listening to this message now from the various islands there. I know from various places in the U.S. and other places. Obviously, I'm speaking to all of you. But actually, I'm speaking to each one of you. Brother to brother, brother to sister. Because although we are governed by the vision of the desire of God's heart, to produce and build up the church as the body of Christ for the corporate expression of Christ. The only way the Lord can reach that goal, the corporate expression of Christ, is to work himself in every brother or sister personally. And I'm now opening my being to you to say, this is the burden. I hardly know any of you outwardly. I just know this. You are my brothers and sisters. And I feel I have the liberty in the Lord to say this. I don't know you outwardly. But I love you. I love you. This is the motive for serving. And what is on my heart, and only the Lord can do this, I am his mouthpiece, is that each one of you personally will be enlightened and deeply touched with this matter of the central work of God to the extent that this will become part of your personal life day by day with the Lord. We can pray quite simply in the shower. Lord, here I am in the shower. 
Today, continue your central work in me. Doesn't have to be formal. You could be at a red light that you hope not to turn red, but it did. Now you've got two minutes. Father, strengthen me with power through your spirit into the inner man. Do this, Father, so that Christ may make his home in my heart. Then you pray for your husband or wife. You pray for your sons and daughters. You pray for the saints. This is the prayer. And the Lord is praying for this now. I fully believe this is what's on his heart. And so I just rest in him. And now I walk with you through the outline, knowing that Christ as the spirit will move in you, flow in you, supply you, guide you, shepherd you, constitute you. Fulfilling the desire of his heart and fulfilling the desire of your heart. And I know there's a desire in your heart for Christ and the church because you're here. You're spending the weekend doing this. That's a testimony of what you are living for. Now, message one, the title, the unique goal of the central work of God. The unique goal. The central work of God is the process and consummated triune God in Christ as the spirit. Working himself into our being. And the Lord is very mindful and watchful concerning this. And I'd like to read a verse from Revelation chapter 2. Which strengthens this thought. Revelation 2, 23. All the churches will know that I am he who searches the inward parts and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. When we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, thousands, maybe even Millions of believers will be shocked, just shocked. Why will they be shocked? Because now the Lord is judging their living and their working in relation to being a co-king with him in the kingdom. Who will receive the reward? Who will reign with him? Who will be the first fruits, the overcomers? Who will be parts of the bride? And we know from Matthew 7, the Lord told us this so clearly. On that day, many, the the Lord said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of the heavens. 
but he who does the will of my Father who is in the heavens. And many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, in your name, we prophesied. In your name, we cast out demons. In your name, we did mighty works. Yes, they did a lot of works. The Lord allowed them to do those works. But they didn't do the will of God. And the heart of the will of God is his central work. This is what God wants. And the light will shine on the inner being, the hearts and the inward parts of all the believers. Because the Lord cares, as we know from Matthew 23, not for outward appearance, but for the inner constitution. But we are blessed and we are privileged to realize as part of our daily life, we live as open vessels before our God. We hide nothing from him. We come to him through the blood of Christ based upon Christ being the reality of the offerings. And Lord, here I am. You know where I am. You know everything part of my inner being. I want your light to penetrate every part of my inner being. Because, Lord, my desire is that you make your home in my heart. Lord, permeate me. Saturate me with yourself. Constitute me with yourself. And do this for the body and for the bride. So this is his main concern. But those who cooperate with the Lord in the central work of God, then their works of service will be expressions of that. And they will be works and service that carries out the will of God. I want to make it clear that we're not going to minimize or neglect the various aspects of the work of God. Brothers are called co-workers for something, for some reason. We are laboring. There's the work of the gospel. To preach the gospel of the kingdom throughout the whole inhabited earth. There's the work of shepherding saints, caring for them in every way. Rendering all-inclusive tender care. Serving in a practical way in the church. Teaching the truth. Propagating the truth. Functioning in church meetings. Caring for practical things in the lives of the saints and in the church life. We would never neglect this. We're not going to just sit alone at home and pray for God to do the central work. No, he carries out the central work while we are living, hopefully a normal human life according to our age and our stage. As we are living our personal Christian life and the church life. 
Yet inwardly, intrinsically, the central work is going on. This is what our Father wants to see in us. The inward reality and the living out this reality and serving this reality in the various aspects of the work of God. And this central work of God has a unique goal. So the little word unique indicates there's only one. There's only one like it. And that unique goal is the building up of the body of Christ. And the church is the body of Christ is also the dwelling place of God. Also the one new man. And eventually will be the bride for whom the Lord is coming. But the goal is in the Lord's prophetic utterance. I will build my church. Roman 1. God's economy is centered on one thing. God's unique work. And there may be some newer ones here or some that are attending a conference like this, perhaps for the first time. And maybe who, I say this with a little smile, who are used to getting hearing 20-minute sermons, but not here. Number one, we don't give sermons. We have messages. And the first 20 minutes are just the beginning. And so it'll be about a total of 75 or 80 minutes. I believe the Lord will grace you for that. But this term, God's economy, that might be new. And I don't want anyone to feel you're left out because we're using a term you don't know. And the English word economy really comes from the Greek word oikonomia, oikonomia, which means the law of the house. God's plan and arrangement for his house, the church. So God's economy is his plan and arrangement to accomplish God's will and fulfill God's purpose by dispensing himself into us to be our life, our life supply, and everything. That is God's economy. And an illustration of this is the case where you had, what, 5,000 men? How many women and children? We don't know. Probably more women than men. They had no food. And the Lord told the disciples, feed them all. He said, how can we do that? We just have a few fish and a few loaves. But then the Lord made an arrangement that them all sit down in groups of 50 and 100. Then the Lord took the bread and broke it. He looked to the Father in the heavens for blessing. Then he blessed them. Then he gave the fish and the bread to the apostles. And the apostles were assigned to different groups. 
And let's suppose someone is in a certain group and they say, I don't like my group. My friends are over there. I don't want to be here. Or, oh, they get to have this interesting person, this Simon Peter guy. He's so interesting. And others, oh, they have this uh, Judas Maccabeus. When, not, not that Judas. He, had, he has this one uh, who is a real radical to overthrow the Roman government. What an interesting person. And now you have this John fellow, kind of mysterious and deep. But this guy coming to me, his name is Judas. I don't, oh, I, I don't want to be in that group. Well, I'm saying this lightly to help us realize God arranges everything. He's a sovereign God. He arranged, look back upon your life, you can see the sovereign God made so many arrangements. And he makes these arrangements because he knows this is the best situation for me to work myself into you. So God's economy is his plan and arrangement for this dispensing. And that economy is centered on God's unique work. A, God's unique work in the universe and throughout all the ages and generations is to work himself in Christ into his chosen people, making himself one with them. I already referred to Ephesians 3.17a. And many of you may know Galatians 4.19. Paul says, I travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Formed in you. Filling your whole being with himself. Be God's economy and goal according to his heart's desire are to build himself into man and to build man into him. And those verses from 2 Samuel are a prophecy given as, as in typology. Again, we have Ephesians 3. I refer back to Roman, uh, sorry, First John, uh, Gospel of John 14, where Christ, through death and resurrection, is building us into God, and God is building himself into us. We will be a mutual dwelling place. That's why the Lord said in John 15, abide in me, and I in you. Live in me today, and I will live in you today. Come back to your spirit. Live in me. Abide in me right now, and I will live actively in you right now. This is the mutual dwelling place. Points one, two, and three. God desires not mainly to do things for us but to work himself into our being. So I hope you're listening carefully. God does desire to do things for you. And in Philippians chapter 4, 
Paul said to us, don't be anxious about anything. Let your requests be made known to God. And the Lord taught us to pray to the Father. Father, give us today our daily bread, our supply. Father, forgive me as I forgive others. Father, protect me, keep me from the evil one. And so just as any father welcomes his daughters and sons coming and asking whatever's on their heart, and so suppose that there's some real cases like this. I had one. A daughter, six years old, comes to daddy and says, Daddy, daddy, will you get me a pony? Please get me a little pony. And daddy's happy that she would say that. But then daddy has to say, oh, my dear daughter, we live in Anaheim, California. It's against the law to have a little horse, a pony in the backyard. You can't do that. How about if I get you a bunny rabbit? Yes. Yeah, a bunny rabbit. Or maybe a hamster. Our father, his heart is like this. But we need to know his desire is not mainly to do things for us. And this is why many of us know, and some of us at the present moment, I know what I'm talking about because I'm in such a thing. Or in the midst of intense sufferings and hardships. And we pray again and again and again. Just beyond numbering. And it seems nothing happens. That God is sovereign and loving, but it seems nothing is happening. We need to realize something deep is happening. What is on God's heart. He will take care of every situation. He will supply us in every circumstance. He knows it may not be easy to say the least. But we need to realize. The central work of God is taking place in me right now. I don't want to close my being. I can make my request known, but now I know God a little more. He mainly wants to work himself into me. And, and to this I say, amen, Lord. Amen. Two, God's intention. How blessed we are to know God's intention. This is related to his will. To his heart's desire. What God intends to do. Is to have Christ. Thoroughly. Worked. Into our being. And this is a very. Can be, become a very. Helpful prayer. Lord. Before I see you. On that day. Please work yourself. Thoroughly. Into my being. Please do that. I don't want to wait for another age for you to do that. 
Lord, this day by day through the course of my life, work yourself thoroughly into our being. However, in our spiritual seeking, we may have no concern about this, caring instead only for our own intention. This is from Brother Lee. This is what brought sorrow to his heart. He realized, no matter how much he's ministered along this, he said, in our spiritual seeking, we may have no concern about this. Some have never prayed about this. Or they hear a message about it and pray for a few days and then other things are more important to them. Instead, they care only for our intention. That's something God has to touch. Our intentions, our human hopes, our expectations. When someone comes into the Lord's recovery, They need to realize as soon as possible, there is nothing for the self here. We have only Christ to offer you. There is life, there is grace, there is love. There is the shepherding that will help you grow and function. We're not promising you anything. No position, no this and that. Here, Christ is everything. And we are learning this together. Point three, we all need to see that God's desire is to work himself into us and to reconstitute us with himself so that we may become his testimony. Okay, we all need to see. During those two years, as he was recovering from tuberculosis, God showed this to the Lord, showed this to Brother Lee. Brother Lee saw this. Then he ministered it. Then I read the messages. I read them. But at first I didn't see it. But we can pray to see it for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. With the eyes of our heart being enlightened. So if you you may be learning this for the first time, don't judge yourself if you don't see it yet. Just come to the Lord. But I want to see this personally, not secondhand. Make this real to me. This is God's desire, is to work himself into us and reconstitute us. Why do we say reconstitute? Because we've all been constituted already. Every person living on the earth is a constituted being with their culture, with this and that. There's no other way to be human. It's not 
lives to be emptied. We need to be reconstituted. And that gradually is having Christ replace everything in us that is not Christ. So that we now corporately will become his testimony. And the testimony is the expression of the Christ who is in us. We can say we have direct knowledge, direct experience. This is not a theory. We are speaking on God's behalf. That his desire is to make his home in your heart. And this has been our prayer and our experience. And this is our testimony to the whole earth. I just would like to take a little sidestep here. And that is, I'm, I'm reading a book written by a certain Bible teacher in Nassau Island, in Nassau. I don't know if we have any saints there. The reason I'm reading it is that he's writing a book about John 14. The book is titled, Are There Really Mansions in Heaven? And he points out, no, that, that is not true. And he doesn't see the building, but he sees something about the family. And I just hope there's a way that we can get a recovery version in his language to him. Not to try to lure him this way, but to minister to him. I don't know if we have any seeking ones on Nassau. If not, let's pray for them to come into being for more testimony. Anyway, back to the outline. We need need to bear this testimony. Yes, we propagate the truth. We can all teach the word according to our constitution. But even more than that, we are a corporate testimony of this. This is the church. No wonder Paul prayed at the end of Ephesians 3. Unto him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus. Glory is God expressed. And this expression is our testimony. But we can only express what we are. We cannot pretend. But when we are constituted with Christ through the central work of God, we manifest, we express what we are. We're not aware of it. We're not conscious of it. We're conscious of the Christ who is in us. We're conscious of the body. We're conscious of the sense of life flowing in us. But others realize this is not just an ordinary middle-aged woman here. There's something mysterious, something divine. Yeah. That's Christ shining. Instead of saying out of her, I'm going to say out of you. Brother or sister. More and more. Section C. God's purpose is to work himself into us. Making himself our inward elements. I'm repeating this outline repeats deliberately the same thought. Central work. This is what it is. The central work. 
making himself our inward elements. So he's concerned with what we are inwardly. We appreciate Proverbs 20, verse 27. The spirit of man is the lamp, the lamp of the Lord, shining into the innermost parts of our being. And this is how we should live. Turn our heart to the Lord, open our being to the Lord, exercise our spirit to contact the Lord. And let the Lord, who is the lamp, who is in our spirit as our lamp, just to shine into the depths of our being. And the more the light shines, the more light flows, and the more Christ works himself into us. It's delightful to live in this way. Oh, to be in life and light with Christ making his home in our heart through faith. So don't try to feel it. Don't try to see it. The Lord will infuse you with faith. He is doing it. We are praying and he is making his home in our heart. Point one, the purpose, this purpose is the center of the universe. Wow, what a statement. In this conference and in this meeting, we're in the center of the universe. The central work of God. And apart from this purpose, the Christian life is meaningless. This may sound rather uh, surprising. And I can't go and I shouldn't go into the details, but I know what this feeling is like. Before I began to experience the central work of God, I'd been in the recovery for 30 years. But there was a sense That, what's the meaning of it all? Here I am now, I'm well into middle age. What has been happening? What's the meaning of it? But then when this was made known to me, as I testified in the beginning, now my life is full of meaning. I'm living in the meaning of the universe. The central work of God. No, I don't understand so many things that are happening. I do not at all. But one thing I know. The Lord is carrying out his central work. And that's the meaning of my existence. Why I was created. While I was, why I was saved. Brought into the recovery. Kept in the recovery. To... Fill up my life with meaning because the meaning of my life is God's will, his heart's desire, his purpose, his intention, his economy to make his home in my heart for the church. And this is what is taking place through faith and love. Two, the principle in God's work is to gain persons. 
and by gaining them to have a way to go on. This is what he did with the apostles. On one aspect of his ministry, he ministered to thousands and thousands of people. He was moved with compassion. They were sheep without a shepherd. He healed them. He taught them. He cast out demons. At times, he resurrected the dead. But he knew he had to have a group of people, brothers and sisters, that will carry out his work once he ascends to the heavens. And so he called the apostles and he labored on them to gain them. To gain them. And when they all failed him on the night he was betrayed, they all ran away. He wasn't shocked. Peter said, I would never do it. I'll go to prison. I'll die. Then the the cock crowed the second time. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. I don't believe the Lord was glaring at him. The Lord knew they all had to be broken. No more pride. No more competition. No more envy. Nothing for the self. He will bring them all through death into resurrection. So in Acts chapter 1, they're in one accord. And when it's time to preach the gospel on the day of Pentecost, the other 11 apostles know, Peter, this is your portion. We're standing with you. Then we're told in the text of chapter 2, Peter, standing with the 11, Peter is saying, I will do this, but I can't do it without you. We're in this together. So this is the gaining of persons. Then through the persons he gains, he has the work to go on. This is the underlying principle of having trainings and a full-time training. Not only for those in their 20s, but middle-aged training. Because the Lord wants to gain our person. And if our circumstances don't allow us to be in a training for a length of time, don't give up. God is sovereign. He will train you in another kind of situation. Just be at peace and let the sovereign, wise God continue his work in you. Three, the proper priority is not for us to work for God, but for God to work himself into us. This is a big mistake. Christian workers, I'm talking about all our fellow believers who are serving God in the best way they, in the way that they think is best. Their priority is their work for God. That's their priority. And of course, we want to preach the gospel and see people saved. And baptized and added to the church. Of course we do. But if we are just focusing on numbers and success and these kind of things, we may be doing that outward work. 
but are not participating in God's central work. This is part of the kingdom truth. The will of God is to build himself into us. And this is the way Christ will build his church. And all the other aspects of our work that I mentioned before are centered on this. We want people to be saved so they can partake in this central work. They were created as vessels to contain God. We want the vessels to be recovered for this purpose. And on and on it goes. But our priority is for God to work himself into us. So this needs to be settled. Anyone serving full time. Anyone who has the leading, the burden to serve full time. And we need some. They may only be 5% of us. But. Intrinsically, we all are full-time, meaning we're all living to God. We're living to him. We need to have this settled in our being. I'm, I'm able to stop my work instantaneously. And sometimes this is tested. In 2012, around November, I knew I was scheduled to go in early December to India to have a conference, to have a training. I prepared the outlines, but then it was rather unusual. Uh, I became sick. Even my wife had to call 911, take me to the hospital. I was there. And I realized this is where the Lord wants me to be. And I asked a brother to help me. Please contact the brothers in India. Tell them I'm not able to come. Because there is this arrangement. And not going to India and not doing the work didn't bother me at all. Because I was reminded God is continuing his central work. And this central work requires this time in the hospital. And this happened more than once after that. And so we just rest in him. Continue your central work. This is not doing outward work, even the necessary work, even work that God wants done. This is not first place in my being, in my prayer, or in my life. And so, when the Lord raptures the living ones, two men were in the field, two women were grinding, one taken, the other left. They were both busy with what they're doing. But one man and one woman, one brother and one sister, as soon as they had the sense of the rapture call, they left everything to be with him. This is an indicator that the central work of God has been consummated in us. We are ready to leave 
everything to be with him. But now we're not focusing on that outwardly. May this priority become ours. I've never known a believer who has labored more until the very end of his days than Brother Lee. How he labored. You just read the recovery version, New Testament. All those footnotes. Marvelous footnotes. What work in writing them, in writing the outlines. For years, he had semi-annual trainings of 10 days. He was in his early 70s when we started. Three messages a day. 30 messages in 10 days. Whoa. Once I had to give three messages in one day with another brother in three separate cities in the south of the Philippines. But whoa, to do this for 10 days with thousands of people? Well, that's not my measure. So he labored, but now we see it wasn't the priority. The central work of God was his priority. What a pattern. So we will not labor less when we are experiencing the central work of God, we will be more diligent. We will be more faithful. We will be more vital. That is living and active in our spirit. We're not going to be passive. We'll be spending a lot of time and energy caring for people, shepherding them, inviting them to our home, preaching the gospel. But nothing replaces the central work. For spiritual progress consists in allowing God to gain ground within us. This is very helpful. Spiritual progress is God gaining ground in us. This is what we mean by the growth in life. It is God in Christ as the spirit increasing in us making his home in us, and spreading in us. And now the second section uh, we can cover in just several minutes. God's intention in his economy is to build himself in Christ into our being. So this is God's intention for you right now. This is what he wants, to build himself into your being, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your present situation is. God causes all things to work together for good, not for everybody. For those who love God, and who are called according to his purpose. And we all can say, by the Lord's mercy and grace, I love God. I love my God. And I have been saved for God's purpose. This I know. He didn't save me to go to heaven. 
to be in a nice mansion. He saved me for his central work to be part of his corporate expression. And I'm so content with this. A God desires to work himself in Christ into us. And everything that Christ is and everything that Christ has accomplished are for this one thing. Christ died by bearing your sins. And he, he bore your sins when he died. So he could forgive you and work himself into you. The Lord brought you into this conference because he wants to work himself into you today. And you're three hours ahead of me. But I look forward when it's bedtime. And I hope you'll have the same feeling. You put your head on your pillow and you just have the sense. Lord, there's a little more in my being right now than when I got up this morning. Little by little, day by day. B, we need God to build himself in Christ into our humanity. Working himself in Christ into us as our life, our nature, and our person. Often, when I have fellowship with the full-time trainees in Anaheim, they may ask, could you share something, Brother Ron, about Brother Lee? We were born after he went to be with the Lord. We never saw him personally. And what I like to say most is that he is the most human person I've ever known. Jesusly human. So we'll become human in Jesus. And in our humanity will be Christ worked into us as our life, our nature, and our person. This is happening in all of us. One, as a result. We are not simply persons according to God's heart. We are God in life and in nature, but not in the Godhead. Again, this may be something new to you, and I can't go into detail. But here it says, yes, God is working himself into us to make us the same as God, to make us God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. Not as an object of worship. Consider your children. Are they not the same as you in human life and nature? Of course they are. We are children of God. God is our Father. We've been born of God, born of the Spirit. We have eternal life. Second Peter 1 4, we are partakers of the divine nature. We're the same as God. In this sense, we are God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. Hey, God is everywhere. So I'm upstairs in a room where I have the facility I'm speaking from. But I can't be in the Caribbean there, but God is. And so we know what we're talking about. 
We are children of God with the life and nature of God. A merely to be a person according to God's heart means nothing. For one may be according to God's heart, but still be empty. Not having God wrought into his heart. Oh, the Lord save us from being empty. Little b, God wants those who can say, I am not just a person according to God's heart. I am God in life and in nature, but not in the Godhead. If you're not comfortable saying this yet, then don't try. But I'm very comfortable saying this. I would say representing all of us. Oh, I don't want to be just according to God's heart. Similar, he's there and now I'm somewhat like him. No, in Christ, I am God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. I'm a child of God. So are you. God is my father. And he is your father. We have God's life. We have God's nature. My human parents, my beloved father and mother, whom I will see again in eternity. They went to be with the Lord 19 years ago. I have their nature. I have their life. But I don't have my father's fatherhood, but I have his life and his nature. Okay, now we just have point two and the two subpoints. All the steps, great and small, that God takes in our daily life are to fulfill his intention of building himself in Christ into our being. So now we're talking about our daily life. And our God is very active. He's hidden most of the time. He's quiet most of the time. But he is very active. And he's taking steps all the time. Some are major. Like five plus years ago when my wife went to be with the Lord. That was a major step. When the Lord brought me together with the dear sister who has been my wife now for four years, that was a major step. But our daily living is not filled with great steps, major steps, lots of little steps. But they are all for this intention of building himself in Christ into our being. He's very active. But I say again, he's a God who hides himself, but he's working inwardly. And eventually, I just believe this, will be like Jacob at the very end of his days when he was prophesying the blessings over his sons. And he blessed the triune God. He said, the God who shepherded me all my life long. When he woke up after the wedding meeting, 
and he thought he was marrying Rachel, the one he loved. He woke up in the tent. No, Rachel. Who's this? Leah. Then what did Jacob do? Did he kneel down and lift up his arms and say, praise God. All Leahs are the best. This is your sovereign arrangement. No, he was more than troubled by this. But after the years went by, this one he said in that cave, in that, the tomb in Machpelah. He said, there I buried Leah. Now he could look back and say, oh, that morning when I saw it was Leah, now I realize that was God's care for me. That was God's arrangement. I had to work for another seven years to get Rachel. That was God's arrangement. I had my son, Joseph, through Rachel, God's arrangement. While she was giving birth to my other son through her, Benjamin, she passed away. That was God's major step. And so we don't pretend. We don't pretend. We don't hide our feelings from the Lord. We bring everything to him. Thoughts, our feelings. I know, I know someone very dear to me now that is suffering almost unbearably, nonstop. We can make our feelings known to God, known to him. We don't pretend, but deep within, we know. This is our wise, loving, sovereign God working himself into us. This is what he is doing in all the steps. And sooner or later, we will give what I call retroactive or belated amens and thank yous. I look back and say, Lord, thank you. Way back in 1959, you did not let me continue a relationship with that young woman. That would have been a disaster. Lord, thank you for this now. Thank you for that. Thank you for that experience. I just worship you. But again, I say we don't pretend. We come as we are in all sincerity. But this is the testimony that all the steps that God takes in our daily life or to carry out his central work. And this will continue until we all have finished our course and we hope our raptured life to the throne to see our Lord face to face and to enter the wedding feast. Little A and B, God's work on us is not to improve us outwardly, but to change our life inwardly. Our outward living will change because it will be an expression of the change inwardly. But God's focus is the inward work. Please realize this. And little b, the last point, God's intention is to work himself into us through everything 
that happens to us, that he may become our constitution. Do everything. This is quite a statement. But I believe this will be a comfort. I've learned never to be like Job's friends. When someone, a dear brother or sister, is suffering intensely, I have no opinions, no comments. We just become channels of life. No explanations. But the time will come when we will all realize that through everything that happens, God is working himself into us. But please don't let the enemy rob you now to make you afraid of what might happen tomorrow or in the near future. We just reject the enemy's fear. He should be afraid because he's going to the lake of fire. He should be afraid because the counterpart of Christ, his bride, is going to carry out God's judgment on him. We will not live a life of fear and anxiety. Rather, we're living in the central work of God. We distrust him with every aspect of our living. From now until we're with him, hopefully, in the wedding feast. May our sovereign, loving, wise, processed, and consummated triune God bless every one of you in every aspect of your living with respect to the central work of God. You matter. He wants to gain you. He wants to work himself into you. He wants to build you into him. Just pray simple prayers day by day and let him do it. Praise him. Okay. That was longer than I thought, but I think I followed the spirit. The Lord cover. Anyway, now it's up to the brothers. I think we have half an hour more. So I'm going to listen to you now and drink of your spirit. Okay. See you again with message three. I already spoke message two because you were kind to me and you didn't want me to give the message at sunrise time where I am. But I spoke from my heart. You will see the messages two and four. But I look forward to message three tomorrow at the same time. And when I see you, there'll be more God in you than what I see right now. Amen. Me too.